You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Hey, thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate that. You guys make a brother feel loved. I appreciate that very much. Good morning, everybody. Say a big welcome and hello to all of our friends joining us from all around the world online. Come on, High Ridge family, give them a big warm round of East Texas applause today. Hey, we're glad that you could join us from wherever it is that you're joining us from. So grab your Bible and follow along. We believe that God has something important to speak to you today. And there's a reason why you're watching this. So grab your Bible, if you would. Second Timothy chapter three is where we're going to focus all of our attention. And we believe that as we do that, God's going to speak into our lives and help us Come on, somebody, if I can get a good amen on that. Do we believe that? Every time we open up God's word, God speaks. And I believe that when God speaks, fantastic things can happen. Amen? Amen. All right, I just want to say as we're turning to 2 Timothy chapter 3, thank you for being a generous church. We were able to spend some time this week encouraging another church, Victory City Church in Tyler. And so they are a young startup church that is absolutely exploding. And they came to us looking for some help for some systems and structure. And we love not being in competition with other churches, but being a champion of other churches. We believe that we are not here to compete with you. We're here to help. And when churches get better, everything else gets better. And so because of your generosity, we were able to send them to a conference and spend some time with them, investing and pouring into them getting them some good systems and structure. And on behalf of Victory City family in Tyler, I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for investing into other churches and not just being in competition with them. Come on, somebody. God's been good to us, and I'm so grateful, not just to be able to do that, but to have our own worship pastors back, Pastor Chris and Julie. They've been on sabbatical, taking a good rest, and it's so awesome to be a part of a church that values health and you cannot value health if you don't value rest. You gotta rest. Come on, somebody, that's a word. That might, not, that might not be the word you came for, but it might be the exact word you need. Value rest. Even Jesus took naps. Come on, somebody. And he also valued carbs. He said, I'm the bread of life. He didn't say, I'm the, I'm, uh, he's the bread. Let that be a word for you. When Elijah needed a little bit of strength, those ravens brought him some bread. I'm on a, a no-carb diet here lately, and I don't like it. <laughs> but when you watch yourself on camera every week, you're like, you are a fat tub of goo. You need to drop. <laughs> so I'm trying. This is for you. I'm suffering for you. So if I preach angry today, you know that it's, it's your fault. We need slimming, slimming ca- camera lenses. That's what we need around here. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 3. I want to get, uh, continue in our series called The Bottom Line. Somebody say The Bottom Line. I love how Paul speaks to Timothy, and he just gives him the stuff that he needs. He speaks to him in a language that he can understand. And it's not always easy to do that when you're speaking generationally, because sometimes we know that what grandpa says doesn't exactly mean the same thing to the grandkids. There's a generational kind of, kind of disconnection, and there's words that we would use that doesn't mean the same thing generationally. But when Paul speaks, he gives them the bottom line. I believe that every generation appreciates plain language. Just say it. Just say it. Just tell me what you mean. Don't, don't try to be cool. There's nothing worse than a person that's older trying to pretend like they're young and trying to use that language. They're like, please don't do that, pop, pop. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> What's been on fleek here lately, son? Like, that's not, that's not, I believe that's no cap. Like, mm, just, just don't. Paul, 
Paul just speaks with the bottom line. There's a generational gap here. There's things that we do generationally that may be the exact same thing, but it means something different from one generation to the next. You know, in my generation, when I was uh, in elementary school, you used to actually go and settle your disputes behind the gym at the end of school, and you and somebody else would just duke it out. And that's the way that you resolve differences. You're going to fight. Now, somewhere along the 80s, that moved from actual fist fighting to breakdance fighting, and that's not the same thing. It's like, I heard you talking all that noise. What's up now? You know, just <laughs> do you back that up with moves? You know, and that's, some of us still got back problems from breakdance fighting, but it, <laughs> it's the same thing, but expressed in different ways. And then, then when my generation grew up a little bit, a little bit uh, more, we moved into video game 1v1. And so if you're going to really beat somebody up, you had to challenge them and beat them at their video game. And that started with a game called Galaga. Mm, I just felt the Holy Spirit in that moment. <laughs> and then it moved to Street Fighter. We had to have Street Fighter, Double Dragon, Mortal Kombat, these games where you could 1v1 somebody and completely dominate them and then tell all your friends about it the next day. That's how we resolved our disputes, right? I'm talking back in the days when it was a huge arcade, not just sitting in front of a screen. And you couldn't stream those games. If you had a game system at home, you had to use a cartridge and it never would work right. So you had to blow on it. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> times have changed but that's the way that we would fight and so when Paul speaks to Timothy he speaks to him in plain language he doesn't beat around the bush he doesn't give flowery words he tells him you need to know this this is important and I love that it's so simple it's very direct and in these letters we can find some fantastic encouragement we can find some fantastic theology and so starting in chapter three, I want to pick it up in verse one. We're going to read through a bunch of this because I believe that you can't just pick and choose part of these scriptures. You have to read the whole thing in context because it's so good. So follow along with us if you would, starting in verse one. He says, but mark this, or in other words, pay attention to this. This is important. This is the most important thing that he says right here. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. Thanks for starting out with that. Appreciate that one. Now, when it says terrible times, the original Greek, uh, that means uh, uh, treacherous times, harsh times. It means annoying times. And you're like, that, that was today. That was getting ready for church, coming here. No, Paul says that at the end of all things, you need to recognize you're going to have some terrible times in the last days. And he begins to describe it with a list of what you're going to see. And by the way, when we're reading this list, we could read it as a checklist. He says this, people will be lovers of themselves Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Somebody's like, oh, tell my kids that scripture. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, I know Jesus. Yeah, I understand that. I can speak a little bit about religion. I've been to church. He said, but the power to become what God has called you to be, you're denying that it has power to change you. He says this, you have a form of godliness, but you're denying its power. And then he says this, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women, we'll, we'll be an all-inclusive offender, gullible women and men, 
and who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. So when he's describing what we're going to see, he said, you're going you're gonna to see it at the leadership level. And it's going to be teachers, people that have big platforms that oppose the truth. They have a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now, if you don't see that in our world today, I think you probably need, uh, need to climb out from the rock that you're hiding under. Paul is very clear about what will happen and when it will happen. It's the last days. So he says, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, you know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith and patience and love and endurance, my persecutions, my sufferings. You know what kind of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. You know the persecutions that I endured. He said, you know my troubles. You saw those things that I had to walk through. He says, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. I love that scripture. That's a good one to underline. All the things I've had to walk through, yet the Lord has rescued me. Anybody been rescued a time or two in their life? Anybody look back on their life and say, thanks be to God, you have pulled me out of some messes. He says, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, underline this if you would. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Don't like that scripture, but there it is. The bottom line, every follower of Christ will be persecuted. He said, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, somebody say, but as for you. Now say, as for me. Continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then some of the most powerful words ever written are right here. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I believe if you're an underliner or a highlighter, you need to underline or highlight that scripture. It tells us the importance of the word of God. It tells us how to be strong in troubling times. It tells us that the scripture, the word of God is what's gonna help us when we need help the most. That's important for us to understand. Now, as I told you last week, 25 times, Paul tells Timothy those same two words, be strong, be strong, be strong, be strong. Now, Paul is in the twilight of his ministry. He's just about to be executed for his faith, but Timothy's just beginning. Timothy's this next generation of those that are rising up, and he says, you're gonna need strength. Be strong, be strong, be strong. You can do this. He tells them, be strong in grace. Be strong in the faith. Be strong in the gift. He tells them, fight the good fight. Be strong, be strong, be strong. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about the future of Timothy and what happened, but we can piece it together from other historical artifacts and articles and things that we found that deal with the life of Timothy. Fox's Book of Martyrs says that Timothy went on to pastor that church in Ephesus and did it till the end of his life. He stayed, he stuck it out. And when things got worse, 
When the city began to turn to idols and the city began to turn to evil things, that Timothy stayed strong and began to lead the city and help people to see that the word of God is telling us that's not the way to go. We're gonna pursue righteousness. We're not just gonna follow along with culture. As a matter of fact, at the end of Timothy's life, the, the city was hosting a festival and Timothy began to speak out against it. The festival is best described as like a Halloween festival mixed with an orgy, mixed with murder. And so it's the trifecta of evil things just conglomerating into one big, huge festival. The whole culture was consumed with a festival that glorified evil, demonic, and hurtful things. And Timothy begins to speak out against it in the town clubs Timothy to the place where the church finally gets him and nurses him, hopefully tries to nurse him back to health, and two days later, Timothy finally passed away, but he, he finished well. He didn't become a coward at the end of his life. He didn't back down in the face of opposition. He laid down his life for the gospel. He did what Paul encouraged him to do when Paul said, just be strong. You can do this. Don't be afraid of them. They may take your life but lay it down willingly for the cause of Christ. What an important and powerful story. Paul tells Timothy, be strong. And so in chapter three, as he's dealing with all the things that are happening in culture, and as Paul is encouraging young Timothy, I wanna boil it down to the bottom line. If, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, please hear this. The bottom line of chapter three is simply this. Things will get worse. Know your word. That's not a very encouraging message there, Pastor. I, I, I'd like something else. Can you preach about money today? That sounds a little bit better than that. Things will get worse. Now, it's important that we understand that things are going to get worse. Otherwise, they'll take you by surprise. But when you know it, when you expect it, then you can look at me, look at me, look at me. Prepare for it. So Paul makes sure that as he's encouraging Timothy, what he's going to see in the last days when, when culture gets worse and more and more evil, he says, you have to know your word. Know the word of God so that this doesn't catch you by surprise. And so I want to give you three things that I think are important that we can pull out of the scripture as we dig into it on a theological level. Three things that I think still speak to us living today in 2023. Things that we need to know as believers as times continue to get worse things that will help us to be able to navigate through tough seasons. The first and most important thing is we're following along. Number one, write this down if you would. Normal doesn't mean right. Normal doesn't mean right. So Paul says, look at all these things that you're gonna see in your culture. That doesn't mean that they're right, but they're gonna call it normal. Jesus says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. You're gonna see a lot of evil things and we've become as, as a culture, we become very desensitized to things that are evil, things that are wrong, things that are anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-Bible. It's become part of the desensification, I don't know what the word, you know what I mean, <laughs> desensitizing of us as believers. We see it so much, but just because it's normal doesn't make it right. Can I get a good amen, everybody? Oh, I get a good amen from people that grew up in the 80s and know that there used to be a thing that was normal called carpeted bathrooms. Ooh, meemaw, hey, put tile on those floors, anything but carpet. And even the toilet seat had carpet on it, remember that? Some of you can still smell that, that, that bathroom. You know what I'm talking, some of you might still have carpet. Let me just, please, for the love of all that is holy. Do not host a group at your house this fall. Let me just tell you. Ain't nobody want to use the carpet bathroom. 
But just because we call it normal, because it was normal in the cold, that don't make it right. Come on, somebody. I remember a time where my brother and I went to uh, our first high school party, and uh, we were out from underneath the rule of our parents, and it was just teenagers there, and just it, things were getting wild. And all of our friends were drinking, and we wanted to be cool and fit in, but we'd never touched alcohol, had always stayed away from all of that, raised in church. But now we're at a place where we're daring each other to try it. Like All of our friends are doing it. We want to look cool. So each of us grabbed that Budweiser, the red bottle Budweiser, and looked at each other, kind of daring each other to take a drink. Like, you're going to do it? Like, I'll do it if you do it. You do it if I, you're not going to tell? You're not going to tell? What? Don't act like you didn't do it too. I know some of y'all were raised Baptist. Daring each other to finally try beer. And both of us said, let's do it at the same time. Ready? And so we take a big drink of beer and that warm Budweiser hit the back of your mouth. It wasn't good. I realized that a lot of people are just pretending to like that. That does not taste good. That was not good. And I looked at him and we're both turning green. He's like, is yours as good as mine? Like, yeah, it was great. It's awesome. I can see why people like it. <laughs> and then later on, we both met each other in the kitchen. I turned around and both of us are putting sugar into our beer, trying to get it to sweeten up. <laughs> that, was, that was, yeah, not a great time. But we wanted to fit in. We wanted people to like us. And we realized that just because it's normal, it doesn't make it right. This, this was not for me. Some of you are looking at me like, like, yeah, but you got a beer belly. No, I got chicken graveyard. There's a big difference. Wrong, wrong doesn't become right even if everybody's doing it. And I think a lot of it's because we have a need for approval inside of each of us. Not realizing that the approval that I need doesn't, doesn't come from people. I need to be more concerned with how the Lord looks at my life. Does he approve of me? Jesus said, at the end of all things, he'll say to people, depart from me. I, I don't know you. So it's important that we have a relationship with the Lord where we know him, where he knows us, where we have a good, strong, developing relationship where we get to know God better every single day. It's about, does he approve or not? See, wrong doesn't become right even if everyone is doing it. Some of us had mothers that said, if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you be jumping off that cliff? Yes, I'd miss my friends. Maybe if enough of them jumped off beforehand, I could land on top of a few that I don't like. Be fine. But wrong doesn't become right, even if everybody's doing it. Uh, and I found that it's easier to not fit in when I know that I, I really wasn't designed to. The Bible calls us a peculiar people, a holy nation. When the Bible uses words like sanctified and holy, it means we're, we're set apart. We're not designed to fit in. Now, I'm sure you want people to like you. I want people to like me. I want us to be uh, invited to parties, and I want to be invited to the wedding. I, I, I want to get along with people. I want people to enjoy my company. But if I don't have the approval of the Lord, then it doesn't matter. What about God's approval? So it's easier to not fit in when I realize I wasn't designed to. And more than some people need a cool friend, they really need the Jesus that's inside of me. Because when all else fails and their life gets rocky, they're looking for the person that's not swayed by the right or the left or by culture, the person that's grounded in God's word. That's the people that they're looking for, those that are the real deal. Are you still with me, everybody? Is that okay? Here's the second thing I want to make sure that we see today. Number two, Paul says you're going to have to watch who you're listening to. Watch who you're listening to. Paul says, watch out for those podcasts. If I could just interpret it uh, in, in modern day terms, watch out who you're, who you're putting in your ears. 
Watch out the people that you're following on Instagram. Watch out from those that are speaking into your life, the lives that you want to emulate. He said, be careful. Be careful. He said, now you know me. He said, you know what I had to endure for this. You know that I'm sitting in prison for, for the gospel. You know that I'm not ashamed of Jesus. You know, I'm laying down my life. I'm the real deal. I'm enduring. I'm finishing to the end. He said, you see me. Be careful who you're allowing to speak into your life. I learned a long time ago, someone said this to me and it just kind of stuck with me that I'd never take criticism from someone I wouldn't take advice from. Never before in the history of our world have we had louder and crazier, noisier environments. You've got so much information at your fingertips, so much information in your phone, so much that is clouding all of your judgment and speaking into your life. Never before in the history of the world have you had more information, noise. And there's a reason why God's word says, be still and know that I'm God. Be careful who you're allowing to speak into your life. So this past week was a busy week for me. I, had, I caught four different flights this week. I am jet lagged out. I had enough. I don't want to fly no more. I believe that when Jesus says, low, I'm with you always, we should stay low. I, I, I'm not a fan of heights. I don't like it. And I get, I get anxious on planes. I, I, I'm just being open and honest with you. I don't like when that thing starts taking off. I'm, I just go to the third heaven, holy of holies. I'm like, Lord, if it's this pilot's time to go, I, I, I'm sorry. Please spare him for my sake. Like, Don't let him take us down. What if it's the pilot's time to go? You never thought about that? Some of you hadn't, like, I think about it now. Thanks a lot, pastor. I appreciate that. I start white knuckling that seat and the, the person that's next to me, like, what's wrong with you? Like, and when you look like me and you start acting a little anxious on a plane, like, I started speaking in tongues and people were like, oh my God, you know, they don't know. The Iraqi guy is going to blow us all up. Yeah. I fit, I fit the description at a lot of airports, I always have. I told my wife when we first got married, like, I'm sorry, but I'm always gonna get pulled out of line and, and searched. It's welcome to it. That's what happens when you marry somebody that looks like me. But I can't shave off this beard. You would not believe the baby face that I have. You wouldn't look at me the same way. This is the best that it gets. Just trust me. I need this. But being on all those flights, the greatest gift that God ever gave to your pastor was a set of Bose noise-canceling headphones. There's nothing better than popping those things in, tapping that left ear twice, and then whoosh, nothing but worship music. And it brings peace to my spirit. It calms me down. I go right to the presence of God. And people could be running up and down the aisle, smoke coming off the engine. I don't care. Take it down. I don't want to limp away. Just hit it hard. I don't know. I'm going to the presence of God. I'm at least going knowing that I'm coming straight to you, Jesus, because I'm already in your presence. But I have to. I have to shut out the noise. It's loud. And people have their conversations and their opinions and people want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I'm sweating right now. I'm anxious right now. My heart's beating crazy. Like, I, that's not good for me. But Paul makes it very clear to Timothy, hey, you're going to have to cancel some noise in your life. And I want that to be a challenge to you this week. When was the last time that you got real still, real quiet? When was the last time that you shut out the world and say, Lord, I just, I just want to hear from you? When was the last time that you put away your devices, you got off social media? When was the last time that you closed the door and said, Lord, would you speak to me? And I'm hoping that at some point, even today, that you will take that challenge seriously and you'll recognize the benefit, the beauty of getting still and quiet in the presence of the Lord. 
It's in the stillness and the quiet that we recognize his voice and start hearing him above the noise and the confusion that our world is screaming at us. Paul tells Timothy, hey, watch who you're listening to. Be careful. And he says, these are, these are teachers, people that, uh, that are, they have a huge audience, they have a lot of influence, but they oppose the truth. He said, but that can't be you. You, you. he said, you know the word and you, you've chosen your mentors wisely. Don't get pulled apart by, by these people that are teachers, but they oppose the truth. I found that having a title doesn't mean having integrity. There are lots of people in leadership that I wouldn't trust with my children. I wouldn't trust with my finances. Having a title doesn't mean much anymore. Put doctor in front of the name or pastor in front of the title. That doesn't mean integrity. Paul says, be careful. Get to know them. Get to know the story. See if they're the real deal before you just start following, before you start listening, before you add them to your, your podcast queue. Know what you're putting into your mind. Is that good, somebody? Do you, is that okay? Paul makes sure that we are watching who we're listening to. He says, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so they're gonna oppose you as a teacher. We don't know a ton about Janus and Jambres, but uh, the Bible is clear that when it points us towards it, we can, we can kind of deduce that Janus and Jambres were those that were uh, the magicians that Pharaoh employed to try to come against Moses and Aaron. And so when Moses would come and he would do some fantastic display of the work of the Lord, Janus and Jambres would say, hey, give me a minute, and they'd pull some David Copperfield or, or some David Blaine, and they'd pull some kind of magician trick, and they'd kind of duplicate what God was doing. It's always in response to what God was doing to have some kind of demonic answer. And Paul says, watch out for that. That's what you're gonna see in the last days. That God will be doing something fantastic and beautiful and culture will come up with something that's a demonic version of that. When God says, listen to this, here's the truth. It's like, yeah, but I can do that too. We see those things happening all around us. There's beautiful things that the Lord is setting up, things that will pour into our life and bless us and help us. And there's a, there's a demonic version, there's a worldly version, there's a culture version of the same thing that will not bring the same results, but actually opposes the truth. So when God gives us his word, the world gives us social media. And if you're not careful, that will become your Bible, your voice of truth. Whatever your friends say, Whatever your followers think, whatever those that you're following thinks, be careful, Paul says. The Lord will put us into groups and the world will say, no, 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 you don't need that. We can give you fellowship. We'll put you in a bar. Do you see it? Anything that comes out in opposition to the truth of God's word can easily be mistaken for truth. And Paul tells Timothy, watch who you're listening to. Watch who's speaking into your life. And just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, you're gonna see a demonic version of everything good that God's trying to do in your life. You'll see some other substitute that will cheapen it. I found in my life that there was something beautiful about being in the presence of God and experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And I realized that I had settled for a version called addiction that gave me a false sense of peace and security, that met a lot of my needs, that gave me courage. Oh, you drink enough and you get a little liquid courage. I found that it's just a demonic version of what the Holy Spirit does to my life when it gives me boldness to stand up for what's right. Do you see the difference? Paul says, watch out for that. So every biblical truth and every Bible believer, Paul says, will have opposition. I want to make sure that you see that. Everything that God is trying to do is going to be opposed. 
Every believer that lifts up the name of Jesus is going to have opposition. This is important because at the, the first sign of trouble, we'll say, well, God must stop me with me because life got hard. It's supposed to. You're going to be opposed. Anytime you want to take a step of faith in the right direction, there'll be opposition. It's part and parcel. It's expected. You still with me? It's okay. So we can recognize uh, the evil. We can recognize what's wrong when it comes in opposition to what God is trying to do in our lives. You with me, everybody? Is that okay? I want to finish up with this. Number three, write this down if you would. Uh, Knowing the word keeps us steady in unsteady times. Knowing the word of God is what will keep you steady in unsteady times. So when COVID and the pandemic hit our world, uh, we saw really, really quickly um, those that were able to stand and those that didn't stand very well. And the only difference that I found between those that were able to endure were those that had a love for the word of God. Those that recognize that God's word supersedes what I feel and what I see and what's happening in the world. God's word supersedes every bit of disease and propaganda and sickness and fear. God's word rises above all that and it gives me peace that passes all understanding. If you don't know the word of God, you didn't stand very well. And here's the thing, whether that treated you well or whether you fell apart, here's the good news. It ain't over yet. You got another chance. But this time, let's do something a little different. Know the word of God. Jesus spoke a lot about end times, and Paul speaks a lot about end times. And the beautiful thing is, as his disciples are coming to Jesus and asking about it, Jesus says, you're going to see all these things. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says, you know, you're going to see the moon turn to blood, and you're going to see this, and you're going to see that, and you're going to see this, and you're going to see that. And at the end of it, he says, and when you see all these things happening, what are we supposed to do? Run for the hills? No, he says, lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. So don't be afraid of that. Lift up your eyes. Why? Because I'm coming back to get you. That's good news for us. Know your word. When you're seeing these things happen in our world, it should bring us a sense of encouragement. It means that Jesus has not forgotten us, and he's not asleep. He's doing exactly what he said he would do. That's good news, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're amening, but that's all right. I'll amen myself if I need to. I like how David would preach for a while, and he would finish a statement. He'd say, Selah. Like, I'm amening myself. You don't like it? I'll amen myself. I'll encourage myself in the Lord, David said. That's all right. Some of us need to learn how to do that. Jesus makes sure. Second Thessalonians said, when you see all these things happening, said, lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your eyes. I'm coming. And that's good news for all of us. So I found this to be true, that the key to sanity is found in devotion to the word of God. You want to be able to keep your mind? Devote yourself to the word. You'll be able to stay on track and devote yourself to the word. And I want to challenge you to get deeper into God's word than you've ever been able to get before. Let this be a year where God's word is resounding inside of your heart, where you're beginning to not just read it, but memorize it. Let it begin to speak into your life. We've said it before. Every single week, we say the same thing. Read your Bible until God speaks. How much should I read until God speaks? When he speaks, stop. And then look at me. Write it down. You will never be able to hear the voice of God if you don't read the word of God. God's voice sounds like his word. And so I want to encourage you. I want to push you. I want to challenge you. I want to beg you. Whatever it takes, fall deeply in love with the word of God. If you've never read the Bible through, hey, let me just tell you, it's, it's a great time to start reading the Bible through. I'm trying to finish up hopefully my third time through this year because we had a prophetic word that came to us challenging us to read the Bible more. And I want to push you to do the same. But I will never ask you to do something that I'm not doing. 
It's good for me. It's good for you. As a matter of fact, when Paul ends this letter, he says, all scripture is useful for training, for correcting, all those things. When he uses the word useful, it literally means enhances your life. That's the original language, enhances your life. If I could translate that, I would say simply, it's good for you. It's good for you. We need to know the word. God's word needs to be dwelling inside of each of us. And Paul makes this point over and over to young Timothy. The bottom line is you gotta know your word. Otherwise, these things are gonna catch you by surprise and you'll get discouraged. You'll get off track. You'll be consumed with fear. You'll be led astray by what you see and feel and hear and think and what you smell. Don't be led astray by that. Know your word, he said. You're gonna have opposition. Things are gonna get worse, but know your word. It'll encourage you. It'll tell you what to do. And that's the beautiful part of this. When I first gave my life to the Lord, and I'd been, I'd been raised in church, but I'd gotten far away from God for, for years, and through a series of, of horrible things, I finally turned my life over to the Lord. I said, God, I'm, I'm done. I, I stopped running. I just want you. And within the matter of a few months, man, God began to supernaturally just deliver me from all kinds of things as I poured myself into his word. I just developed a hunger for God's word. I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted more, and I would read, and God would just begin to speak to me. I just Scripture became alive, and I'd grown up memorizing Scripture, but not really having it on the inside of my heart. It's a lot of head knowledge, but I never understood what it meant until I'm reading it, and God's beginning to speak through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's encouraging me. It's strengthening me. It's disciplining me. It's helping me to become a better version of myself. I was born again. I remember that God began to open up some doors, and uh, I was able to go onto the road as a traveling musician, and uh, I got to sing on a song that was nominated for Song of the Year for a Grammy Award. Crazy things began to happen as God has begun to supernaturally bless everything that I put my hand to. Uh, and before, I just I couldn't make anything work. Got painted into a corner, and I realized I'm not that smart, not that good. And without God on my side, like none of this works. And the more I began to read God's word, the more wisdom I began to get. The more I was able to make good decisions, God was ordering my steps. And delivering me from a lot of things that used to hold me captive. I began to experience some freedom. And I had a hunger for more of it. Like, I want more. Is this the end? Is that enough? Or can I, can I press in a little bit deeper? And so getting to become a, a full-time musician and a stage manager for uh, one of the biggest gospel acts in history, that was a big deal. You know, we had, uh, uh, I think it was 10 different tour buses. I remember the bus that I was on with several guys and people that, that you would probably know their names if I was to out them publicly, but some of these guys that are on this bus were the real deal and some of them were not. Some of them loved the Lord with all their heart and some of them only pretended. And when you start living with people, you start seeing who's the real deal and who's not. When you get close to them, they don't pass the sniff test. You're like, oh, you serve Jesus on a, on a stage. But behind closed doors, you got some issues. I remember how powerful it was when I could withdraw from a lot of that, just get into my bunk and, and close the curtain, put on my noise-canceling headphones, have some worship going, and open up my word and ask God to speak to me. I remember I wanted fellowship with a lot of these guys, but late at night, they would pop in pornographic DVDs inside the living room of our bus. They'd all sit around and watch porn together. I thought, I can't do that. I can't go back. I've come too far come too far. I know where that road leads. And God's delivered me from all of that junk, and I don't want to go back there. I would go back into my bunk and, and close the curtain. 
and say, Lord, would you help them? I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm not here to call you out and say, how, do you, how dare you be able to do that? You're supposed to be Christians. Like, that's not my place. That's between them and the Lord. But as for me and as for my house, I can't participate in that. I've come too far. I know the God that I serve and I know that what he's done inside of my life. And you guys may have not reached that place yet where you're, where you're able to walk away from those things. But for my life, at that point, I'm like, I, I can't go back there. I'm not, I'm not here to play games with God. And man, God began to speak some of the most powerful things I've ever heard in my life in those moments where I was simply, simply shutting out the world and shutting myself away from the sin that other people was accepting of. I said, Lord, I just, I want to be set apart for the things that you've got in store for me. I don't want to go back. I don't want to be some sort of Christian that glorifies you on a stage but doesn't glorify you in my personal life. The Lord's rewarded that. I believe that's one of the reasons why I'm standing here. I wonder what God could do with your life. What could God do if you shut out the world for just a few minutes every day and spent time in your word and asked the Lord to speak? You know, one of the most powerful things that I've ever learned how to do is open up God's word and say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, show me. Talk to me. Speak it to my life. And all of a sudden, those words that I had memorized as a kid began to come to life and rest inside my heart. And then as I would begin to speak and have conversations with people, scripture would start coming out because I'm feeding myself on it. Now, the crazy thing is I still have a relationship with some of those guys today. And when, when their life gets tough, they don't call those other guys. They call me. They say stuff like, you're, you're the real deal. Not because I fit in, because I chose to withdraw. I take this scripture seriously. And Paul says, hey, have nothing to do with what they're doing. You, as for you, know the word. Times are going to get rough, but you know the word. The Lord will show you what to do. Can you receive that? Is that all right, everybody? As we finish up today, I want to invite you to go ahead and put away your your notes, put away your devices, put away your phones. I want to give us a chance to just simply sit in the presence of God. It might, might have been a long time since you've just gotten quiet before the Lord. And I want to ask that for the next, let's just do 30 seconds. For the next 30 seconds, let there be as little distraction as possible. If you're watching us online, I want to encourage you, let there be as little distraction as possible. Maybe get alone in a room or go put yourself in your car for just a moment. Close the doors and Let's just get quiet. It may have been a while since you've been quiet, but I want to encourage you in the next few moments, let's just be still. And as we're still, as we're quiet, I want to read this scripture one more time. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, and abusive, and disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers opposed the truth. They're men of depraved minds who as far as faith is concerned are rejected 
But they will not get very far. Because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. But you, however, you know all about my teaching and my way of life. You know my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, my persecutions, my sufferings. You know what kind of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. You know the persecutions that I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned this. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. In Christ Jesus, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father, I thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, speak. Help us, Lord, to be strong. Help us to fall deeply and passionately in love with your word. Help us to know what to do. No matter this season. I pray that you would strengthen and encourage my friends. Let the word that you've spoken today dwell within them richly. Produce a harvest that bears good fruit. In Jesus' name. Now perhaps you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I, I need a relationship with Jesus. I, I, I need it. Maybe like me, you've been away from God and you needed to come home and you might not know how to do that. But I believe that you're watching this for a reason. You're here for a reason. And if you want a relationship with Jesus, it starts with a prayer. You may not know what to say, but please let me help you. Right where you are, pray this prayer with me. I'll tell you what to say. Pray this. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died, rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you into my heart. Take over. I give my life to you right now. Thank you for saving me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if that was you and you prayed that prayer with me, you're not ashamed to admit it. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. That's not what I'm here to do. But if you prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me and then slip your hand up all across this place and say, that was me, Pastor. I did. I prayed that prayer with you. Good. I see you. Yes. I see you, young man. Good. Good. There's several here in this service. There are many of you that might be watching online. If you prayed that prayer, I would love to get in contact with you. Would you do me a favor? Would you text me? If you're in the room, if you're watching online, there's a number appearing on your screen right now. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. Text the words, I prayed, to that number on your screen, and I'll send you some things that I've, that I've prepared just for you. See, this isn't the end of your relationship with Jesus. This is the beginning. You're going to need some help, and I would consider it a great honor if I could help you take that next step. I'm proud of you. Good for you. Good for you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would, then stand to your feet. 
I want to say thank you for all of you who are watching online. If you like what you heard today, would you do me a favor? Would you click the share button? Sharing this message with people in your world will help them know what to do. It'll encourage a lot of believers that have maybe uh, drifted away from the church or have gotten hurt. They need a good message that reminds them of the times that we live in. So please hit that share button. If you're with us in person at the service today and you'd like to share that, that would mean a lot to me if you, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Also, I have our elders and their wives stepping forward. These guys are gonna remain here to pray with you about anything that you might need prayer for. For those of you watching online, if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you as well. Let us know in the chat if you would. As we finish up today, I wanna pray for you and bless you and send you out if that's okay. Father, I pray that you'd bless my friends with an incredible week following after you all week long. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.